Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Welcome in. It's been a busy week and lots to get to as we project forward for this Buffalo Sabres team coming off a 2-1-1 and week. When you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines multiple screens so you never miss a play the sports book at seneca resorts and casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win <laughs> marty what did you love i'm putting you on the spot here there were four Ooh. games i need you to compartmentalize everything <laughs> what was the highlight of the last four games for the buffalo Sabers? the the, the one highlight. and if only highlight one walk away moment that you have to take with you to a deserted island forever and watch on loop what would it be Oh, okay. Uh, this is called blindsided. I, okay, I'm going to say the Dallin hit on the idol. Uh, and I know they scored a ton of goals, and there's Stage Thompson twice who walks around a goalie and tucks it in on the short side, whatever. But every single time I'm watching this highlight of Dallin's hit, I cringe. I like it, gets me like, oh, like it shocks me every time. If I had to take it like on a USB card and my computer on a deserted <laughs> island, I think that would be the moment. That would be the one because it would it would jar me every time I see it. So I think that's the one. Now, I don't know. I'll put you on the spot. What is your moment you would be taking with you on the deserted island? Jack Quinn, shootout goal, Detroit. Because I love the shootout. I love Jack. I love everything about it. And I love the fact the hypocrisy that exists in the hockey media world and to a certain extent, the fans who like to get on social and bash the shootout. But then, then when we see moments like Jack Quinn and we see Zegris and we see Kaprizov, it's amazing how Zuccarello. It's Woo! amazing how celebrated these moments are and how there's no negativity. And then I sit and think, imagine if, we didn't have these great examples of game-defining moments from ultra-skilled players. Okay. I love the it. Other day, I love it. I will always embrace it. And thank you, Jack Quinn, for providing a terrific game-winning moment in Detroit. I think our good friend Shana, I'm going to have to debate with her next time oh, she comes I, on our I show. I was rattled when I saw her tweet. Her tweet. It's 8-8, eight, eight, Seattle, LA. And she's like, I hope this doesn't go to a shootout. We don't deserve this. deserves a threat. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, I go back to the Ottawa brawl. Yeah. It's a shootout win. The building was going crazy when Millsy made that save. I was mm -hmm. eating chicken wings and pizza in the back room at that moment. <laughs> almost choked on it because it was so fun. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was legit sitting here watching that and dreaming of a 10 round shootout where neither goaltender could make a save because oh. that was the story <laughs> of the game. Can you imagine the historical context, the number of people that would have been drawn in on an eight, eight game that then produced like 16 more goals in the shootout. Okay. Like we, we are still talking about Merrick Malik. Almost yeah. Oh yeah. 20 years later, Peter Forsberg. Oh, Peter man. Forsberg, right at the Olympics. Like that's, that's, yeah. it was still talking. It was on a stamp in Sweden. I mean, right. that's how big yeah. of a moment it was. Now, do I like overtime? 
three on three. Yes, it's exciting when it's played with pace. And every, yeah. we've seen a lot of three on three overtime that is like slow into a crawl. But I still to this day, I hated the shootout duffer as a goalie because mm -hmm. I sucked at it. I was <laughs> terrible. So I was like, please score. Please score. Please don't go to a shootout. Yeah. But I remember when I was the backup in New York with the with the Rangers, number one, I loved the shootout because Lundqvist was great. And we had Zuccarello and Eric Christensen and Wartek Wolski. They were all great in the shootout. And I used to give them tips because I would watch other goalies in the shootout. I'd be like, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. Did you give Millsy tips too? Millsy, Ryan Miller? Yeah. Uh, a little bit, but goalies I tried to stay away from unless they would ask a question. Hey, what do you know about this player or that player? I just but, find it interesting that all of a sudden, like it, not that it just dawned on me, but the fact that you played with two of the three shootout kings of all time, Mark andre Fleury being the other. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. Lundqvist would, would come to the bench. Millsy was more quiet in his own. Lundqvist would come to the bench sometimes and be like, hey, what do you uh, what do you think uh, Malkin would do? What's his move? Like, And I'd be like, oh, well, Malkin uh, likes to look for the quick shot or whatever because I remember all these things. Yeah. But I also, as the backup goaltender after the games, I had to ride the bike. And I would put four TVs with all the games. And if there was a game that was at the end of overtime and going to shootout, I was mm -hmm. excited about it because that was fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, Shayna, our good friend, Hey Shay on Twitter, Shayna Goldman, she's going to have a hard time with us the next time we talk to her because I like the And Jack Quinn, I talked, the reason why we're talking shootouts because your moment on the deserted island is Jack Quinn in the shootout. From this week, yes. From this week against the Detroit Red Wings and Alex Nadelkovich. I talked to Jack about his shootout move. Because it, you mentioned, and I give you credit for that, looked like Nadelkovic read Paterka so well right before. Because mm -hmm. Paterka likes coming from the left side and do the quick 5 hole shot. And I, you mentioned, I wonder if he's studying the shooters. If before the game, he was like, hey, who's got moves and what is their tendencies? Mm -hmm. And obviously, Jack Quinn's tendency is to go right and to make yeah. that move. He's made it so many times. The only guy that stopped him, and I was joking with Jack about this, is that is Devin Levi tripped over his own two feet in development camp and still made the save. Oh That's the only gosh, guy that yeah. stopped him while falling yeah. backwards. Yeah. But I said to Jack, I said, did you fear that Nadelkovich would know what you were going to do? And he said, I really wasn't going to do that move. I was going to do the leg kick and potentially shoot it yeah. Uh, as I came in, but as I made the move, he followed that move and we bit on that backhand move so hard that I knew I had to do it. So he changed at the last second. And that's why it's, it's so impressive to be able to pull these moves last minute like this. That's incredible. What did you make of the entirety of the week for the Sabres? I don't want to belabor it too much. Obviously we do post game shows every night and we talk about this every day on the show, but is there now a takeaway from the four games? Because it really was an emotional roller coaster. And I know that's saying something based on everything we've talked about the last number of years, but the opportunity was there oh. to put away Tampa, to put away Colorado. If you didn't have those extensive, you know, penalty parades, Five like, on three. This, this week could have been like really good. And at the, at the end of it though, you go, okay, two, one, and one. I mean, if you keep repeating that, you're going to ultimately end up with a decent season to say the least. Okay. So for me, this week is 
you scored a ton of goals. You scored yeah. 20 goals. And really, let's call it the way it is. They did not get great goaltending in the four games. Um, good enough, but I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say it's a below 900 safe percentage when you compare the four games. They've given up a lot of goals. Right. So, but I don't think, and there was a lot of power play goals. You look at Colorado, got three power play goals. Tampa got three power play goals. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings did no, not they went get over seven. They I went over seven, but that, that the there was part. a lot of chances. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in this uh, in the game against the Sharks, they did get a power play goal. So I'm looking at this and is five on five. The Sabers were really good in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, they scored a ton of goals. They gave up too much, but Don Granado talked about. It, it's hard to teach scoring. It's hard to build momentum in scoring, create offense. And the Sabres, wow, they created a ton of offense in many different ways. It's fun to watch. I'll take two one and one in yeah. four-game stretches like this, the way they played all year long. It was fun to watch. I have a tough time even saying believing what I'm saying. We like We're watching the third-highest-scoring team per game in the NHL right now. Yeah. And and so this is this is, you know, kind of the lesson to all of us um to kind of let things play out especially when you know there was this concern over a couple of tough games on the power play. Like Marty, they're still operating at the highest percentage. Like there's never been a Sabres team end a season with a higher power play percentage than what they're at right now. Granted, it's one third, not even one third of the season, but yeah. this is how it's trending. And dare I say, I don't anticipate a dip based on the talent that we're seeing out there on both units. So yeah. this that, that in itself, like all the areas that we talked about going into the season, I mean, the offensive side of the game is, is this is a monumental leap for this group of players. Now, I would like to give credit to whoever put that tweet out there, but it basically said the Sabres are on pace to score the most goals in a season since 92-93. Do you remember 92-93? I mean, that's McGillney's 76 goals, right? That's LaFontaine, yeah. like the crazy season. 148. Like, yeah. That it's The Sabres are on pace mm -hmm. to have the most goals in a season since 92-93. Yeah, and, they were just shy of four that year, and now, you know, they're at 3.8 at the moment. So. And I recall coming out of the lockout in 04-05 when we had the lockout, so the 05-06 season, mm -hmm. like, thinking we could beat anybody 5-3, 5-4. Like, that's yeah. how it felt. So, and I think that's how it feels for the Sabres right now. Yes, they have to be better defensively. And yes, well, luckily for us in 05-06 and more, we had Ryan Miller to bail a lot of the guys out. Mm -hmm. But the foundation offensively of this team yeah. is, is, is solid. Solid. Like are, are we actually in a place? And it's so funny because at the start of the year, you know, we talk about duos and, you know, like I want to keep Thompson with Skinner said the coach just as one example. Right. But are we actually in a place where the third ranked offensive team right now has two lines that they could just keep moving forward contractually and otherwise for the foreseeable future. 
Like, why, why would you, why would you move off of either of the top two lines at any point? <laughs> right. There's now. no reason. There's no reason, right? Like even contractually, like Skinny's Skinner's got his deal. Tate Four has more his years. Deal, and Tuck, same thing. Like these guys are all locked in, and the kids are the kids. So we know where they're at. We know what they're going to jump into contractually, but you so, can project the space that exists. Like it's just crazy to think that, and I don't know whether it like. Well, Cousins is an RFA at the end of the year, and obviously will need to sign a new contract. And yeah. and he's having a great season, and he's going to get paid. And it's fantastic. Great players need to get paid. That's fine. It's um, nice when you don't question a guy needing to get paid. Like everybody's absolutely. really happy with the game. Perfect. Absolutely. Make the projection. Do what you did. Whatever, whatever, however. Yeah, you... And also the fact that you have Tage Thompson at $7.142 million. Well, that's and you're going to. I have confidence in this group because they, they, they got to the Thompson deal on their time with their research. I trust that they're going to do the same thing with Cousins here. And the team is going to be better for it. Like you're, you're going to yeah. have your pieces locked up. But my point to Thompson is that Tage scored 38 goals and 30 assists and then signed a seven-year extension, knowing he had another year left in his contract. Mm -hmm. And it almost sets your internal salary structure. And I'm not saying that uh, Cousins may – I mean, if Cousins goes out and scores 35 and has 85 points this year, and I don't think it's going to get to that, but maybe it does. Maybe he's a point-of-game guy and plays all 82. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, are you thinking – well, it's seven and a half for Cousins over an eight-year deal because you're like, hey, why not? He's 21 years old, right? So why not give him an eight-year? And... Or he insists on a bridge, and you're like, okay, we'll do. Okay, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, so, so Cousins gonna get figured out. And the the thing with Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka, and people understand need to understand this is the Sabers, and I'm not saying locked out, but. Last year, they got to play a year pro of AHL experience, got to play some NHL games, but because they didn't get to 10 games, it didn't burn the first year of their contract. Their contract slid. This is year one of a three-year and three-level deal. Mm -hmm. You got Quinn and Paterka for two more seasons at 860000 right? Like Plus how bonuses, yeah. how how incredible is that and that's what good teams you look around the nhl teams that are really good always have this entry-level contract or two that they can put in the bank and then they can go out and pay the top guys because you have some top guys that are getting paid mm -hmm. so do you want me to ask what they need or is that too obvious or is it dangerous or like what what how do you view that because i don't care whether you're at the top in the middle, at the bottom, every organization every day is reconvening and meeting and talking about what they need. That's why they scout every organization and their 50 contracts and their depth charts. So like, what does Buffalo need at this point in time? And or how do they go about it if they have a feel like internally a pressing need? Yeah, people are not going to like my answer, but there is, I don't think there's a pressing need. Everybody would point to the the goaltending to the crease, right? To the net. Mm -hmm. First of all, the penalty kill has not been good enough, but your goalies will bail you out, right? So that's one thing. Uh, and I believe that, what is it? Uh, 10 of the 20 goals that Ukupeka Lukanen has given up in five games have been on the power play, mm -hmm. right? Half the goals are on the power, their power play goals. So he's got to be better there. Um, but I think the plan 
is not in jeopardy. The goaltending plan is not in jeopardy because Eric Comrie did well in the first few game of the, games of the season. Then Samuelson, Yoki, are you got hurt? And then he played behind what was a very, very banged up blue line. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he got himself hurt. So I'd like to see more of obviously what Comrie can do when he comes back. He's still week to week. Mm -hmm. And then, if things go the right direction, next year you would have Comrie and UPL in Buffalo because UPL has a one-way deal mm -hmm. in the second year of his contract. And Comrie still mind you, but you know, small money, but but you could speaking. send them down, yeah. yes. But yeah. that would be the plan to start. Mm -hmm. I do believe that at some point this year, and hopefully at the end of the season, mm -hmm. Devin Levi would play some pro games, mostly most likely in Rochester, mm -hmm. um, and would be the guy in Rochester to start the season next year, but you can accelerate that if he's that good. And I do believe Devin Levi is going to be really, really good, but mm -hmm. it's still projection. If he's that good, does that prevent you from having him next year at Christmas Yeah. or in two years from now, having him and like accelerate his progression to the NHL. If he's that good, yeah. why would you hold it back? Cause and the team will be ready for that. Like you're, you're obviously so in tune with this stuff and everything you're saying is hundred percent. Right. And I think in, in the sense of, you know, where guys are at the evaluations, the contracts, all the rest of it, but isn't a, a fair follow-up to this also, what are their options right now? Like there is it, like there is not a surplus of available hot goalies. Well, <laughs> right there's not and there's, there's so one there's injuries. one goalie there's so that... many injuries in the league right now in the crease there's so many underwhelming performances in the crease yeah like okay you clearly have somebody in mind maybe is that what you're about to say there's one goalie that i don't think will be able to go through waivers again and that's magnus elbert he's in detroit right now hey, but Grand rapids this weekend you gave up three and a four one loss so yes but yes but here's the, the thing. Sense. The Sabres find themselves now in the league not being at the top of the list on the waiver wire, right? So you do have other teams that most likely come in and put a waiver transaction in for mm -hmm. a guy like Magnus Silver. So that's that. But around the NHL, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of options right now looking at, hey, okay, we... we Daniil Tarasov with Columbus. He got sent down to Cleveland, right? Because yeah. Merzlikens is back. Uh, Corpusello is there. Yeah. Is, is Daniil Tarasov better than what you got? And moving yeah. forward, is he the solution? No. I, I don't think that the plan is well, You can't is say not, no, but, you can, but it's more you don't know. You don't. I don't know, but why yeah. would you take a chance on devi deviated from the plan for the unknown, yeah. right? Like, I really believe... The way I looked at it, I just told our boss, Chrisanne, today, we were talking about Devin Levi, and I'm like, I think this year for Devin Levi is almost that first year in the AHL. He's at the level that he's shown now that it's year one of his, like, in my mind, I look at this as year one of his pro career. It's college hockey, but usually you say you need a couple of years in the minors mm -hmm. and then a year to fill the NHL. Let's just pretend this is year one, Devin Levi. Next year is year two. Mm -hmm. And in year two, if they need you, they need you. If by Christmas, you're the guy, you're the guy. That's mm -hmm. just the way it goes, right? right? So that's the way I look at it. So I'm not, I don't think there's any urgent need. The only one thing, Duffer, 
and I'm it's not an urgent need, but you do have Thompson line. You're mm -hmm. not breaking that up. You do have Cousins line. You're not breaking that up. Now, what we saw against San Jose is that, oh, well, let's, you know what? Krebs has practiced hard and he needs to, to, to maybe get that hard hat working mentality with Zemgus Gergensen's and Caliposo. Mm -hmm. And whoa, that looked pretty good, mm -hmm. right? What do you go and do with obviously Casey Mills and Victor Olsen moving forward? Mm -hmm. But it's not a pressing need right now because they don't kill. Well, Casey does. Victor doesn't. It doesn't help your penalty killer killing unit, and it doesn't help your your goaltending, which need to give you a save. So don't deviate from the plan, and people are gonna hate it because they're like, "Hey, this game, this team is so good, so exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. They could be a playoff team this year. Yeah, they could be. But is there a better option out there? You ask me the question. I say, really, no. Mm -hmm. Do you think they'll get drawn in further to the conversations as they pertain to bigger names being available around the league, the Chikrins, the Bessers, the likelihood that the Rangers are going to get tossed in the mix here because of their really uneven start to the year? I mean, and again, I, I look at other teams that are not quite where they would have wanted to be. Los Angeles would come to mind after the whole Cal Peterson and their goaltending situation story this week. Like, do you think Buffalo is going to get, get wound into all of this or. I, I think that they are making calls uh, and Kevin, not because I'm talking to people and our Sabres are making calls. I think Kevin Adams always makes calls. Always Which has that. Were you mocking in that voice and tone? Um, uh, not dregs because we love him. <laughs> not him. Uh, but anyway, um, Chikrin, look, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. I'll say this: I think that Arizona wants a lot, and it's mm -hmm. been it's been doc well documented. They want four pieces. They've been wanting four pieces like Jack Eichel trade for now a couple of years, and I don't really think they're going to get it, but they still are going to want a lot and hold on until they get whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I like our top four. Look, I, I like Dallin Samuelson power. Yoki Ari. I like mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Do I need more than that? I don't think I do. I don't, well, maybe if you had that top six, that was like completely out of this world, it would, it would help, but I'm not giving up four pieces for Chikrin. Uh Brock Besser is interesting for me just because he only has a three-year deal that started this year, so he only has two more years. Well, that's right? like Chikrin, though, also. So. Yes, but I think that if you're looking at my hole a little bit in the Ford group right now mm -hmm. and say, okay, it, Diego, the chicken kind of question here is, um, is Casey Middlestat not playing well at five-on-five five because – there's no chemistry and it's not really working with Victor Olofsson or mm -hmm. is it Victor Olofsson that's not working because Casey or is it both of them? Is there one of the two? And if you were to say, okay, well, Vancouver obviously and Brock Besser are on different path and they've already told Besser's agent, call around, see if maybe there's a team that would want to make a deal. Like, go do the work for us, basically. He was going to be a healthy scratch. He didn't Saturday night because somebody got hurt, but he was going to be a healthy scratch. Could you see Brock Besser being a maybe a right-wing solution to see what you have in Casey Millstat, mm -hmm. right? Could you see that happening? 
What would be the cause? Because, well, Progbester is $6.65 million. The Sabres mm. can do that on the cap for the next two years. That's not yeah. an issue to, for me. But you're also helping Vancouver with their cap. So maybe you don't have to give up as much as you would for a Chikrin or, you know, somebody to that that may be more in the in the need or in the want right. uh, in the market. So I don't know. I, okay, but here's the thing. The only potential return for Vancouver is a significant defenseman. Buffalo's not parting with a significant defenseman. And beyond the group that you like that's with the Sabres, they don't have much in the pipeline. No, they don't have much in the pipeline. Uh, well, they do have a lot of depth, but not anything significant um, that would would make a difference in a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but at this point, is Vancouver willing to just wait for a return that would knock their socks off? Or they like again, it's in the media. Brug mm-hmm. Besser, go find a trade partner. Like right. we're gonna sit you out, so mm-hmm. I think you may be. But again, that's just to me, it's interesting. Oh yeah. If I was Kevin oh, Adams, yes, I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling Patrick Alvin uh, and Jim Rutherford, who Kevin knows really well with the Vancouver mm-hmm. Canucks because of the Carolina connection and Pittsburgh Buffalo connection and all of that. It's, hey, like, what 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 are we talking here? What do you, mm-hmm. what is in the works? Um, and how many teams are gonna be in on it? So. That's one. Cal Peterson, you know, we talk about goaltender. Mm-hmm. That was a hard no for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, two more years at $5 million for a guy that it's not just, oh, he's having a bad start of the season. He's had a bad year and a half. And like, you look at the numbers and yeah. last year, last year, I thought he was going to take over from Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick played really, really well. Got well, LA. Yeah. Where- yeah, he stole. I mean, he basically stole it back, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but then now, Quick is not playing well this year, and Cal Peterson yeah. didn't steal it back. Do you do you, when you view Cal and where he's at? How how much are you concerned that he's twenty eight now? Yeah, like do you, you know? Like I think because we never got to see him develop here, I think it's easy to almost envision like him frozen in time as this <laughs> saber prospect, and then he's been kind of inching his way along, but. You know, when you go the college route, it that eats up a lot more years than if you're just coming out of major junior. And 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 I wonder if if teams would have bit on this opportunity if he was 26. But now they're seeing a 28 year old and thinking, I don't know if it's ever going to change much for Cal. Yeah, and and they're seeing a 28 year old with the contract, right? I mean, yeah. at a million dollars, could you have seen anybody say, ah, yeah, like, uh, absolutely. At two, I was trying to come up with a, 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 you know, you ask somebody, where do you feel comfortable according to the dollar amount, right? It's that guy and the price is right. That goes up the hill. And at what point you fall off, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> where do you press the stop button? And you said at this price, I would not do it anymore. And I came up with a million and a half on uh, Cal Peterson. Wow. That's three. Wow. The expected goals are three and a half more than what you're, you know, that's what it is. So mm. I, that's where I came up with, with Cal. It was a million and a half in my, in my, in my book. Just be glad I didn't start into the Swiss yodeling of the mountain climber from the prices. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, is there anything else that we need to address that we haven't already before we end the pain and suffering for our, you know, our audience here? Um, well, quickly, and, and you and I talked about it in 
preseason, and I don't remember what game we were watching, what happened, like a clean hit having to fight, right? Oh, yes, yes. And yes. Rasmus Dahlin delivers a clean, unreal hit on Nieto of the San Jose Sharks. And then Logan Couture goes after him, all pissy about it, and he's going after Kyle Oposo, all. And I'm saying, like, I hate that clean hits has to be, like, responded to. Right, mm -hmm. I, the game goes so fast mm -hmm. that anybody that gets it hard, your teammate, you better do something about it, even though it's a clean hit. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do anything about it and it was dirty, now you are in the timeout chair. Like everybody's gonna point out to you, you didn't do anything that was a dirty hit. You should have done anything. So everybody's gonna take the safe approach. When it's a big hit, we're going after the guy that gave the hit. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't like it, but you still have control. The guy that drops his gloves because he says, I have to protect myself because I gave up a clean hit yeah. and I'm guys are coming after me is going to sit five minutes on the bench and maybe more. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's a playoff game and all of a sudden Darlene gives out a, a clean hit and he drops his gloves and he's on the bench for five minutes, you lose one of your best players for five minutes. I love that Darlene was able to stand there and keep his gloves on and say, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. I'm going to engage you. I gave a clean hit. What exactly. are you going to do about it? Yeah. And I love that. Anything else you love? <laughs> Anything I loved. <laughs> I love doing these with you. You love wearing a suit. Up. You're... Yeah, this is, uh, as we pointed out before, this is the Napoli suit, by the way. But I still have to go get my new swags at Napoli's, which I haven't done. And it's been yeah. like a week and a half that they've been calling me saying, hey, come for your fitting. And I haven't done yeah. it yet, but I will. I, I promise I will do it. All right. Well, you're not going to debut it on Wednesday. I know that. No, because we're <laughs> it's TNT Columbus Wednesday. <laughs> okay, That's... so promise me this. That in between now and our next broadcast on MSG, you will get your new suits from Napoli's. I promise you that I will go for my fitting, but I can't control if there's a lot of alterations that need to be done and when that's going to be ready. I would think they'll probably turn that around in 24 hours, but I will go for my fitting, pick okay. some new shirts, a few new ties, and then uh, look like a million buck on Friday night. A million buck. That's one million buck. Buck to go with the booms. Booms <laughs> goes the dynamite. <laughs> uh, Which, by the way, S I had never seen that clip. Boom goes the dynamite. That's a YouTube Hall of Famer right there. I know. And you painstakingly sat through the buildup to it behind the scenes the other night. I can't believe your patience level to, to to wait for the grand finale on that, which seems like it was, what, 25 years ago now? I don't know. It was a good seven-minute lead-off, right? I was waiting for oh Boop Goes a Dynamite. But anyway, oh. that was it's pretty funny. Uh, and 2-0 and oh in uh, the old uh, goat head, by the way, Duffer, 2-0 yeah. oh in the goat head, the Sabres. It looks good. It yeah. looks really, really good. It's been going well, and we thank you for watching, of course, and look forward to many more of these throughout the course of the year. Sabres Live Overtime, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. We'll see you soon. <laughs>